to another episode of the Lasso Podcast. I am your host, Mike, and I am joined by my co-host, Maya. Hello. And we are here to break down and discuss Wonder Woman Rebirth Volume Number 2. Volume 2 collects issues 2 through 14, the even number issues. Obviously, we went over the odd number issues back in our Volume 1 recap. It is written by Greg Rucka, drawn by Nicholas Scott, with issue number eight being the interlude, drawn by Bill Quist Evely, and colors by Ramulo Fajardo Jr. So, as we start off, it starts with issue number two, and we get alternating views into Diana and Steve's daily lives, what they're doing, you know, currently on alternating between Themyscira with Diana and Steve is doing his military training off in what we're led to believe is California. Um, and Diana, you can see throughout the issue, is clearly getting a lot of restlessness from just the, the everyday life of being an immortal Amazon. <laughs> they really just sort of, you know, do the same thing most of the time, so... He's pretty, you know, she has feelings of restlessness. She's never seen the outside world, and she, you can see in her, her monologues that she, you know, she wants to see what is out there. She yearns for it. Uh, Diana, she goes on a horseback ride where she encounters the tree that we saw back in volume number one, and the snake comes out of the tree, which bites her on the arm which you end up seeing the results of that also back in volume number one. Uh, some of the, her Amazon sisters find her laying out in a field, and the tree has completely disappeared, which is spooky. <laughs> um, Diana recovers. Yeah. <laughs> Diana recovers uh, from her illness. Uh, she got sick after the snake bit her, and uh, it's... It, it, there's no real definition of the amount of time that passes by, so it's you're sort of just left to your own conclusions to see how long it actually lasted. Uh, in the meantime, we see a lot more of Steve and what he is doing as far as his uh, military group and their platoon. They are sent off on a mission, which we will we'll learn what the mission was later in, later in the volume here. Uh, and their plane crashes on Themyscira, and Diana and a group of other Amazons are they're spending their time stargazing at night, and they see the plane crashing down into the beach. So they go down and search the wreckage, and they find that Steve is the remaining survivor, and so that means that the group of other soldiers that sees they all didn't make it, so clearly something has to do with ending up to being the lone survivor and his relationship with Diana, how he's the one who he reaches out to her as he's, you know, cut up and bleeding on the, on the, on the ground, and uh, she's the one who finds him. So that's really how we get issue two. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of um, 
exposition, really, is sort of just setting up things in this, in this stage so far. Right, which leads into uh, part two. Uh, in the book, they're like, well, those parts, and so that the issues aren't as confusing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so, obviously, the Amazons are quite startled by this plane with men landing in their world, so they're holding a council to decide what to do about this, because... I mean, this obviously had something to do with the gods, because this is a very unprecedented, but what is it? Mm. So while they're discussing that, Diana is watching Steve as he's um, resting and healing. She's uh, joined by Castalia, their um, healer, and he, I mean, Steve realizes that no one else makes it, even though... They can't understand each other. Some things are just universal. Um, and the council realizes that the gods are... They... What to do with this? Because the, go the gods obviously had something to do with it. And they decide that they are going to move up their games, like the competition among all the Amazons, to end the... The winner will be the champion to bring Steve back to Mansfield because they were like, if we ask for volunteers, obviously everyone's going to want to. Like, this is something totally unprecedented, even though you can't come back. So they fight. Diana wins, obviously. There's really no other. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, someone else would be Wonder Woman, which is. Well, yeah, a whole nother story. And so Diana wins, and they fix the plane. They fix Steve's plane, and it enhance it, really, because now it can become invisible. <laughs> and Diana is given the perfect, which is her lasso. And they fly off. So these first two issues are just establishing Themyscira and Steve and Diana and their, like, personalities. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to see the interplay between Steve when he's on the island and the Amazons because most of the time none of them can understand him right. because He's speaking English, and from what we see in this uh, in the comics canon here, is that they either can't speak English or they don't bother, you know, speaking English back to him, even if they would know how to speak it. And um, so you get a lot of the even a lot of the funny things where Steve, a lot of the times, is just. He's just talking to himself. I know, I love all of his little asides to himself, because I was like, oh, that's how I speak all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, there's some parts where, um, uh, it was right at the end where he, like, before they send Diana and Steve off, he's just, like, talking to himself. He's like, okay, if you guys don't mind, I just, I gotta get these thoughts out. I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta say this. <laughs> so he's just, like, speaking it to himself so he can actually just even if he knows nobody's listening to him he's just like he needs to be able to say it to get it out 
and it's so yeah. funny. Yeah, and another thing is the the art here is just so. Oh gorgeous. my gosh, I love it! I love Nicholas Scott's art. Um, I just I know. I love the face she gives Diana. So strong. Um, yeah, I was. I I tweeted earlier when I was going through the volume, and she draws like the best side profiles Absolutely. too. They're so so defined and you can see you know, even it's just on the page in a comic book but just so much like an emotion and the way that she is able to draw the characters and you see on their faces the looks that they're giving it's, it's just so good and even this um, this medium you don't really you're not able to see that with a lot of other artists so, right yeah I think her style is just it's a little bit softer, which makes her a really nice in these, um, because this issue is really just, it is the background issue, <laughs> or the, uh, the back, the, this volume is background how Diana, it's basically like the Wonder Woman movie, but, you know, set modern day instead of in World War One. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it goes through a lot of the same beats where you see the world that both of them were living in before before the the collision. Before yeah. Steve crashes before they have their meeting and everything. When they return and see uh, Diana trying to get used to everything going on in the man's world that she's never seen before and everything. It's really, it's, it's a really great backstory of, you know, how she becomes who she is. I'm so. sitting here looking at the panels with um, Diana and Cassia, and I'm just like, oh, I love them so much. They're, the, the artwork, and Cassia, like, just, like, knows how restless Diana is. <laughs> So, Cassia is basically yeah. Diana's girlfriend in on Themyscira at this point. Yeah. And, gosh. Yeah. So, we see more. We see, well, they, there's a conversation about that in uh, one of the later issues that we get to, which is really, is really powerful, too. So, Steve so. and Nick, we also get to see their establishing, which just makes the loss even harder when you see because Steve is the only survivor. It does uh, the way that they Greg went through those beats with Steve uh, you know, going through his training and knowing friends and it uh, gives so much to his character about you know, what kind of person he is, which is obviously one of the big things with Steve Trevor is kind of, uh, you know, person he is. He's a grounded person. He, you know, he's loyal, he's smart, he's kind. And just the way that Greg sets it up in the first two issues here is like, he does just such a great job setting up uh, who Steve is as a character. Absolutely. So, I think continuing next, we will go.
go into issue number six, where Diana and Steve uh, finally fly back to man's world. The visible jet somehow gets to fly on its own. It's like an autopilot, and Steve comments that it uh, it must just know where it's going somehow, which is kind of easy. It's just cool how the <laughs> Amazons have this sort of technology they fix the plane up and, and you know it's not like uh, anything that we saw Steve seen before in the military so it's pretty it's pretty funny uh, there's so many more moments in the, when they're in the cockpit when they both literally say to each other I don't like Steve says I don't, you don't understand a word I'm saying and then Diana at the same time is saying I don't understand a word that you're saying and then the only thing that they can say to each other is each other's names, which is just a lot the a lot of relationship building between the two of them right there, where the only thing that they can understand is each other's names. So they land on the beach and Steve borrows some uh, some random uh passenger <laughs> passerby's cell phone to uh call over to his military base, uh where Steve takes Diana as they just, the military just presumed that Steve was dead. They had no idea what happened to him, obviously. So they get confronted by uh, personnel and uh, military police there, and they get split up, uh, Steve and Diane, to go through uh, you know, tests and processing and things. Uh, Steve talks to Diana, or tries to, um, and he just implores her to trust him and you know, this is going to be, this is fine, you know, that he'll be able to help her with what, she, you know, what needs to be happening. And she actually, you know, she understands him for the first time where she repeats back and says, trust me. So, you know, we slowly start to see Diana uh, understanding English, finally. Um, Diana's put into a cell down on the military base temporarily all they can figure out what's going on. Obviously, they've never seen anyone like her before. Um, and Steve's going through his you know, medical tests and after he got eagle to the Amazons. And we learned that his original mission, that he, before they crashed, they were to find out what was going on with the Seer group, which we learn of from uh, Volume 1 there the the terrorist organization. Steve and Etta talk about what happened and the situation with Diana. They're trying to figure out who she is, you know, what she's there to do. Um, Etta, then, Etta me, then goes to visit Diana while she's locked up down in the brig, which uh, is really a shocking thing for Diana. Diana just, like, lights up because she's yeah. like, sister, yes, what is all with all these dudes? Yeah, exactly. Like, she's the first yeah. woman that she's seen here, and she's like, oh my god, somebody that can help me, you know, because they've been trying to get professors and other, you know, like, anthropologists to try to be able to communicate with Diana, and nobody has been able to yet, so all that Diana can say is Steve, because that's one of the only other English words she knows. And Etta is, you know, Etta responds and she's like, yes, Steve is one of my friends. Yes, it's good. And then she again just 
She says, trust me, because that's also what Steve said to her, and she was able to learn that from him, too. So after that, we definitely then go in to a scene where we see this iteration of Barbara Ann, and she classes on a college campus, so we assume she's a professor. Um, she receives a message from one of her students, and they we see a helicopter fly out by the window, and she calls for class dismissed, so clearly her message said that she's got to go somewhere. Uh, Steve, and following that, Steve goes and visits Maya, who is Nick's widow, and uh, his goddaughter, which she was born back in issue, one of the earlier issues, number two, uh, and they asked Steve to be her godfather, and he graciously accepted, obviously, because that's just the kind of guy he is. <laughs> um, and they go through, and Steve is, I mean, Steve's pretty shaken up about seeing her and, you know, what's happened and how the other, you know, obviously didn't make it, and she tells him to complete the mission that they were sent out to do to honor them. That's if she wants, if Steve wants to pay his debt, it's easier to complete the mission do it for them, not just not just the, the military op. Do it. Meanwhile, we have Diana. She's still uh, in her cell. They haven't uh, really been able to any progress with trying to understand her, and they don't haven't been able to figure out what to do with her yet. And she gets visited by the Hadrians, which are obviously her gods in the form of several animals that. As we've been seeing throughout the issue a couple times, there's been Dove that Steve notes, and we've seen a couple other of the agents throughout the, throughout the issue making their appearances in the background of panels and everything. So it sort of leads up to this moment where they, she's visited by them, and she understands that something greater is going to happen to her because they impart her with this wisdom. They give her these gifts that she has not known that she's had before. The next day, uh, Barbara Ann, Edda, and go to see Diana. And we learn that Barbara Ann was brought in because she's able to understand and converse with Diana, which is good for their relationship as well as the uh, sort of just the plot, really. <laughs> they got to figure out a way to. First, Diana to talk with her. Barbara and Hedda, they just can't believe what Diana has told in the meantime that Diana told Barbara about the gods visiting her and giving her these gifts that she doesn't know what to do with and what they can't do. And Hedda just completely, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't believe in the sort of the, the mythological aspect that. Diana is a, is, you know, she's a living myth, really, compared to what Steve and Dianetta and Barbara would have known. I mean, so, animals coming into yeah. a cell and bestowing magical powers. It's very Disney princess shit, so I'm not surprised that Edda's exactly. like, okay, aliens, yeah. fine, whatever, but Disney princesses coming to life? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the issue closes off with Diana just 
ripping the jail jail cell door off the wall, and the Steve Hedda and Barbara Ann are just like speechless, just melts of hate, and just like, you know, she could do that. I had no idea. (laughs) And Diana didn't even know she could do that. (laughs) Which, because she obviously wasn't able to before. Um, Right, so going into issue 10, there, I mean, Steve and Etta are talking to uh, Commander Michaelis, um, who's in charge of the base, basically like, um, can we take her out? Because she can get out anyway. Like... Let's show her the world, <laughs> at least. So they go off to a shopping mall, as you do, which is probably the best way to introduce someone to at least America. <laughs> um, so it's Steve, Etta, and Barbara Ann, which and Diana showing her around, which obviously Diana is super curious, and they're like, it's okay if you're like overwhelmed, this is a lot, and Diana's just like, no, it's wonderful, I love this all. And they meet with, um, or Diana meets a little boy and a little girl who are just completely infatuated with her, and she's just smitten with them. There's like, because there are no children on Themyscira, so she's just like, this is this world that's it's so stunning. And while they're off exploring, Diana pulls out the perfect because she's like, this is what I brought with me, like. The gods gave themselves to me, gave me their powers, but this is what I had with me. Then she had no idea what it could do either, really. Just, But they all touch it, and it's like, oh, wait, we can understand each other. And people start telling some truths. <laughs> I love, my favorite thing is Steve with just the little hearts around his face. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Like, he's... The literal face of yes. her eyes. Like, it's, uh, it's so um, good. Like, Barbara Ann and Etta are, are like, you know, gosh, your father was such an ass, you don't have to prove yourself to anyone, and Steve is just like, look at her. I love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and this wonderful little moment is interrupted by gunfire, because... Of course it is. Why would you be able to go to a mall without <laughs> something happening? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, Diana uses her lasso and her powers to take down these gunmen, just, like, deflecting bullets and jumping over everything. Like, why are you doing this? This is awful. There's, like, this was a peaceful place. See, they stop a grenade... Stop everything. And Diana learns she can fly. Um, mm-hmm. And also, they see that the terrace has the twisted tree that is the symbol of the Seer group and the tree that Diana saw in Themyscira that with the snake that hurt her. So, obviously, somehow. Somehow these two things are linked, and figure it out a little later. We'll see how they're linked. We won't spoil it just yet. We'll wait till we get to it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I really love this issue. This is definitely one of my favorite ones. It was, it was combined with 
all the action at the end, seeing Diana do her thing, which is awesome, and then all the things in the beginning where they're Diana's asking them questions about what the hell's going on, what what is all these people? Why does the air taste like this? I love how she's she's not scared to ask any question. She's just like, I want to know everything. Yeah, it's so adorable in like how they they're trying to get her, they get her like a margarita. She's trying to like say it out. She's like margarita, (laughs) so funny. Like, are you trying to get her drunk? No, she's six two. She's not gonna be drunk by. <laughs> yeah, Steve's like, yeah, she, this thing isn't even gonna phase her. <laughs> uh, so, coming up next is issue number 12 in the line. Um, we return back to the base. Uh, Commander Michaelis, Etta, and Barbara Ann, they're debriefing after sort of the findings that they got from surviving terrorists that they were able to bring back. So meanwhile, Steve is out in the desert with Diana. They're sort of putting her through paces and testing her powers, researching to see what exactly she can do, what she's capable of. Um, There's just this one page, which is like a a full two-page spread of Diana and Steve doing all these things and Diana's like, she's flying through the uh, sky like at max speed, and she's deflecting bullets from uh, the machine gun that Steve's shooting, and she's doing it with like no effort at all. And then we see her flying, and she's lifting a tank over her head, which so we see in the movie too. So obviously, this is something that crossed her powers are uh, how shows how strong she is. And then one of the other, probably the, one of the most adorable things is she's uh, she's on the ground and like leaning over in front of a lizard. And the lizard's sticking its tongue out at her, and she's stick, sticking her tongue out back, and it's just so cute. Because in the background, Steve is just sitting on a rock with a notebook, like <laughs> taking notes. That it's just so. I know. I love. <laughs> I love that so much. Like, how dare this lizard? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, it's too cute. Uh, so Diana and Steve, they, you know, as the the rest of the day is going on, they they talk and they think that, or they sort of come to some conclusions that they believe the lasso is what is helping her pick up English so well. Because by this time, you see her pretty much having full conversations with Steve. So clearly, the lasso has been able to help her along that um, Steve says that he thinks it would be cool if she could show off some of these tricks to her friends back home, which Diana, you know, she tells him that she can't go back home. Part of her her mission as champion is she's fully committed to this world and doing good for this man's world now. And, you know, we see Steve, she he apologizes. He doesn't obviously know that he can do that, and he thinks it's his fault that he was the one who, you know, he's the one who took her from home, and he's, you know, completely, you know, he feels a lot of guilt about it, and Diana, a powerful moment, character moment for Diana is we see her, um, you know, she instills to Steve that, you know, it, it wasn't the 
it's not his fault. You don't have to feel sorry. This is something that I need to do. This is my mission. This is what I have to do. Right. It wasn't uh, so for him. It was because it was exactly. necessary. Is her destiny pretty much? Uh, Steve, they continue talking. He mentions when left, he saw the queen who was crying. He asks Diana if that was her mother. She, you know, she says that yes, that was my the queen. Was my mother. Well, that makes me a princess. <laughs> um, and Steve obviously then says that it had to have been hard to leave. Were you obviously leaving everything you knew? You used to be comfortable to leave behind. And it knew that this is what she had to do. This is, was going to be part of the, the process of coming on. And Steve, the sort of poor lovesick puppy that he is, um, he asks Diana if he, she left anybody special she had to say goodbye to, and obviously Diana, see the earlier issues, she was very close to her, we assume, girlfriend, Nasia, because, of course, why wouldn't the Amazons date each other? It's an island of women. That's, that's all we have. So. and Lyda have uh, certainly looked very cozy. Mm-hmm, exactly, yeah. So, um, it's, you know, it's a really powerful moment where we see these two completely different people, Diana and Steve, they're forming some sort of bond. We don't know what it is just yet, but we see that they're able, or at least Diana is sort of able to confide in Steve. And at the end, well, the, at the end of this scene, Diana, you know, she reaches out and she links her fingers with Steve and they hold hands and watch the sunset, which is just does my Wonder Trev art uh, just gives me palpitations. <laughs> um, so next up, uh, we have this, uh, Diane and Steve return back to base. Uh, they have to meet, meet with the other three that were there still back there. Uh, Michaelis, uh, Barbara Ann, and Annetta. And he goes through and tells them you know, what he witnessed Diane and he was doing. You know, these skills and powers that she has. Diana and Barbara Ann talk about men that were captured because in all the instances where they've confronted this uh, terrorist organization, they've never been able to take any of them alive. And somehow <laughs> Diana obviously was able to take four of them Diana alive. Diana is very fast. <laughs> military. Yeah. <laughs> Like, she didn't break a sweat, and the military's like, okay, so we can actually make some headway here. The men, they all have the same symbol and the tattoo of the tree that Diana is able to tell them that she saw her on Themyscira almost right before Steve arrived, which there is some sort of link there, which the way the events played out, and she insists to... Michaelis and Etta that she should be able to talk to the men and that she can, you know, she can get the truth from them because she has the power of the perfect. Diana goes and questions the terrorists 
Because before, they only were giving one line. His will shall not be denied. They never stated who it was, um, but it was clear that these men are, they're sort of uh, brainwashed or something going on with them. They're, you know, they're driven to do these acts. Etta and Steve then start to realize that they're talking about the Haru virus, which was a, uh, a biochemical agent that's being used by the Seer group that causes those to be affected by it to have urges to violently lash out and uh, urges to kill. This is what the, the guys, the, the captured terrorists were talking about, where this will shall not be denied, and they're going to talk about sowing the seeds of war, things like that. So, and this is what the mission that Steve's uh, team was sent on. They were supposed to go and recover the scene of the virus, and then destroy the factory where it's being produced. They never got to complete the mission. Um, then Barbara Ann, after get this information from the uh, terrorists, sort of pull the puzzle, uh, put the puzzle pieces together. Barbara Ann takes Diana. She takes her aside to ask her some questions. Explains that when the words of the Seer group are rearranged, they uh, spell out Ares, which is the god of war. So clearly we realize that who the terrorists were talking about when they said his will shall not be denied. Um, and Diana then goes on to uh, say that, you know, he's not an ally of the Amazons. Because Barbara Ann was a, she was a little confused in the mythology that they uh, have known on man's world. Isn't the uh, exact same, is it the, it's not the same history of the Amazons and their relationship with Ares. And she closes off as the uh, Diana and Barbara Ann are interrupted by an explosion, which was caused by Ares, the god of war himself, who is now attacking them. So very convenient. Hey, this is our, this is his name. Oh, wait, there he is. There he is. It's like as if they figured it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's very Voldemort. Say his name, and there he comes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I like the I like a lot of the things in this uh, issue about uh, sort of the the goodness that we see in Diana when she. You know, she believes that she can talk to the, you know, the terrorists that they captured, and you know, she has a surprising level of empathy for them. While obviously the rest of the group clearly wouldn't show, and you know, we just we see the goodness that is in that Diana has because she, you know, she doesn't really know any anything about you know what's going on here and why these people are out to do these horrible things and you know, she does just she doesn't believe that they're doing this like under their own volition. Which and they do ask for forgiveness and seem devastated about how many people are going to die once they are compelled by the perfect to um who say like speak the truth and not just what they've been brainwashed or 
whatever into yeah. believing and staying. Yeah, the Diana's power through the lasso is sort of able to break down the you know, the effects that the virus has on them. And they actually start to realize what they've been doing and how bad it is. Yeah, so in issue 14, the last issue of this main arc here, um, Hermes has come and he has captured Steve. Like, do you know who I am? Steve, like, yeah, you're an ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, but he's, um, he's fascinated by Steve because Steve is the only man who has been able to set foot on Themyscira. But Diane is not having any of that, and so she's immediately like, no, this isn't happening. Diana tries to appeal to him using, you know, words instead of fighting, which doesn't super go over well with Ares, the god of war. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Diana is asking Ares to turn away from madness. Well, Ares just wants to know what the location of Themyscira is. Which Diana is like, yeah, I will do this for you to in exchange for protecting mankind. But Ares realizes that Diana doesn't actually know how to find Themyscira. And Diana says her mission is to defend this world and the people. Ares is like, no, you've already failed. Mankind is, like, belongs to him. They're all about war. But Diana is determined to rescue it for him. Which, if this sounds familiar, it's because this is very similar to their conversation in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> because Diana is Diana in any time. So, with her declaration that she's going to take it back from him, so begins the fight where the lasso and the animals are her allies, basically. Anyway, Diana seems to succumb to... Aries for a little bit for the rage, the need to destroy him, but, but she manages to break through and wraps him with the lasso and seems to destroy him. Although he's a god, so who knows if he should. That's what Barbara Ann even right. mentions that. Somebody's like, did she actually just kill him? And Barbara Ann's like, we're dealing with gods here. Nobody's yeah. actually dead. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the... So the birds come, the animals come, and steal Barbara Ann's cell phone at the end. And um, they're like, what is going on here? And the owl, Minerva, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. The owl... Um, is like, here, look, this is what's happening. Uh, they are going to be releasing <laughs> yeah. this virus at all of these places. You all need to, like, move. You can't, like, just sit here worrying about Aries and, like, <laughs> discussing this. So they run over and get people to different locations, one of which, the one that they end up in in the UN, is... um. There's a school, uh, there's a bunch of children there, and the gas is released, but, and Diana is affected by it and is very horrified that they would do this to children, 
fan. It's sort of a nice uh, reflection of the uh, the movie where when Diana, you know, she gasped when they released it on the village, and she, you know, she sort of her resolve breaks a little where she just she doesn't believe she can't believe that they would harm innocents like that, and she sort of can't understand, you know, how in can humankind be absolutely. But she's also realizing that this rage of hers is not normal and that it's the lies that the gas that Ares is telling her. And so she uses her lasso once again, this time on herself, to get to the truth and to dispel the the poisonous lies, which apparently works because then it's gone and Steve is there. And everyone is celebrating, and Diana has a new name. Yes, the shoe closes with Diana, uh, Barbara Ann, and Edda over at a restaurant getting uh, more drinks. I, you're safe to assume that uh, Diana got a taste of the margaritas and probably liked them. So clearly that's what they're doing here. <laughs> and uh, Steve comes in with a bunch of newspapers, and they all have headlines that are declaring... Wonder Woman. Yay, Wonder Woman. We're okay with her. <laughs> so that is the end of issue 14. That sort of wraps up the year one story arc. And there's left in the volume, there is one more issue, which is issue number eight. If you this back, we went and we skipped issues six and went right to ten because issue number eight was an interlude uh, that tells a story about Barbara Ann. So in the trade paperback volume, is it the same in the digital too? Is it in the yes, it is. issue? So we'll go through that real quick for you guys. Um, the issue uh, starts with a flashback to Barbara Ann when she was a child. Uh, we learn that her mother passed away. Her father is busy a lot with work. I don't know what he does or anything but he's a jerk, um, and she takes solace in a lot of the things she's learning from her tutor, especially, uh, you know, ancient history and mythology, and she finds it's, she finds uh, a comfort in, the, you know, stories of days gone by and things like that. Uh, her father just, he believes that it's time for her to grow up, and in the issue, you see her, you know, she's playing with, like, a fake shield, a uh, fake sword, and she believe, you know, she pretends that she's, like, commanding the Amazon warriors to go into battle, and her father tosses it into the fire, and that's obviously where we see back in the earlier issue when Edda tells Barbara Ann that her dad was a jackass. <laughs> so we come back uh, to the present after the the flashback, and Barbara hands out on an archaeological dig, and she is still, all these years later, firm in her beliefs that the Amazons, they do exist, obviously despite the many doubts of the others that are there, and so in the middle of the night, she's woken up by like a mouse or a rat, like 
coming into her tent, and she, where the thing is happening, she goes to the goes to the cave, and she discovers a burial tomb, which, as inscriptions indicate, that it is the resting place of the twelfth queen of the Amazons, which Barbara and obviously uh, delights that at that that that's the proof that she needed. Um, she pulls out her cell phone and takes pictures of it before the cave starts to collapse in on itself, and she has to, you know, run out of there, and the rest of the crew at the camp there, they still don't believe her, what she says, even if she shows her that she, she took, and they just, they abandoned the big site because it's pretty much, it was ruined now after it, uh, the cave collapsed. So, uh, after that, Barbara and find her getting drunk at a bar. Uh, she is trying to piece together what she found from the data site, uh, all her notes and maps and everything. Uh, a man finds her, and he's the local foreman of the group. He snatches her phone from her because uh, he uh, falls off the uh, stool she was sitting on because she dropped the map that she believes has the, is the uh, sort of direction to find, uh, find where the Amazons are. In return, she goes back to her hotel room. Uh, next scene, you see her, she's on a phone call with Dr. Martins, who was the uh, man she was arguing with earlier in the issue. Uh, he's from, obviously from Dig. Uh, she tells her she doesn't know where the Amazons came from, but she does believe she knows where they went. So, you see sort of uh, Rocky montage in a comic traveling to a bunch of different locations for the, Medi- the area around the Mediterranean and going into different sites trying to find more proof of the, the Amazons. Uh, she finds the local uh, foreman, the guy who stole her cell phone, and she finds him in Tunisia, and then he is... Uh, He's dead somehow. Uh, got killed somehow, and we see that he has the tattoo of the tree on his chest from the seer group, and he has the word seer tattooed on his arm. So clearly, something between him and why he took her phone and the link to the seer group is is running amok. Um, Barbara Ann. She comes across a old woman with a young child who find her um, and tell her that she knows what she's uh, they say that they know what she's looking for and that she's going the wrong way and after some contemplation, Diana, uh, Barbara Ansby realizes that the wrong way means not where they looking for the Amazon men, but look where they came from. So Barbara heads back to the Black Sea, uh, and she pays a uh, captain of a boat to take her out into the water to look for something because she believes that you know she believes there's something out there. She, in her, she knows that there's got to be something out there. The key to finding the Amazons is out there somewhere. Uh, they uncover an island in the middle of the water that just came out of nowhere. Uh, um, that. Uh, they both say that that 
<laughs> that's never been there before. Where did this come from? Uh, so she then travels off the uh, boat and she heads over to the island. And she, she believes that this is some sort of link to the Amazons. If it's real, why can't she see, or why can't she actually find Themyscira? You know, is this what sort of you know goose chase has she been on? And she uh, she turns to leave, and the tree that uh, the one that uh, came to Diana on Themyscira, the one that uh, she had the snake that bit her, it materializes on the island as she's leaving, and then all she can say to herself. is, uh, she went the wrong way again, but obviously she doesn't see what happened behind her because she left. That is Wonder Woman. Yes, get a little bit of everyone in there. You can see why Barbara Ann is who yeah. she is, which also that old lady after she tells Barbara Ann or well guides Barbara Ann. You see um, an owl mm-hmm. next to her. It's probably a godlike um, intervention. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the little girl that was with the old lady turns into an owl, so clearly those were the gods in action there, trying to send Barbara off, Barbara Ann off to find out uh, what she needs to find. So, what, uh, so overall uh, impressions? Um, I mean, I I love this issue. I love Nicholas Scott's art. I love the writing. I think it's... I definitely think... I mean, like I've said, it's very... Sim- it hits a lot of the same beats and a lot of the same themes that the movie does in introducing who Diana is, who Steve is, like, what their motivations are. And then it kind of... And you see how it's getting closer to what's happened in volume one, which figuring where Diana finds out how uh, that everything is lies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how she doesn't know, like when Ares realizes that she has no idea how to get back to Themyscira, obviously that's a complete direct link to volume one where the Themyscira that her and Steve go to isn't the real Themyscira, so we can see that, you know, between the two volumes, yeah, that's. I definitely would recommend this uh, this volume if you haven't really ever you know dove into one of them comics before and wanted to find an entry point after the movie. Like my, like you said, that this is it's on a lot of the sort of the same story tones you can how there are a lot sort of uh, similarities between characters and motivations and relationships between film and this uh, and volume two here. So I I absolutely recommend this as a entry point to get into one Absolutely. Of and especially if you're interested in Themyscira, issues two and four are just packed with it and you get to see a lot more Amazons a lot more named Amazons and get to see what they do and like how their society is built together and it has a the, the relationship between Diana and Hippolyta is I like it so much better in here 
than in uh, compared to the film. Yes, obviously. definitely. Like it's more in the film. Diana was very much a child to mm-hmm. and also like I. I mean, I said this in that episode, or in our episode talking about the film. I hated how the whole um, the whole keeping information from her for her own protection, which isn't something that you see here, other than their assumption that she's going yeah, to be the winner know. because. Do you have any other sort of like additional notes or? My favorite thing things? is always Diana's smile. Oh my gosh, she's like. I also love how animals are just drawn to her. Like, I mean, obviously there were the um, the godlike animals who were coming to her, but also you see like just other random animals being like, this is and children, animals and children, just like drawn to her light. She's just a beacon for them somehow. Just she exudes this aura of kindness and happiness. Like draws them in, so it speaks, you know, volumes of you know, the kind of person that she is. Which is what what one of her powers is her her heart, her goodness. So I really liked uh, the way that um, we see how adorable Diana was. Yes, yeah, a couple of the moments uh, when Edda gives Diana a glass of like a can of soda to drink, and like she takes like a huge gulp of it, and then immediately spits it out and she's and Diana says it was uh, very sugar obviously because she doesn't have the full you know speaking comprehension and it's just so cute and Steve is like yeah probably not a good idea to give her the, uh, give her a coke right off the bat <laughs> another one of the things I liked we see a lot of sort of little hints um, between the uh, sort of relationship between Barbara Ann Yes, you can see how that, like, obviously, they're very supportive of each other, and I love that. They're, like, they're both, like, strong women in their fields, and they know how hard it is, and there's nothing. It's all just support, and I love it. I mentioned earlier, Steve is a obstruct puppy, and I just completely uh, love it. Um, or, I think, um, Whatever you have left, and then. Although I do love Barbara Ann's little curse of suffering Sato. Um, yes. Um, oh she's yeah. Like, she's such a nerd. I love it. She's like, look, there's all these like ancient Greek, ancient languages curses, but this is the one that I'm choosing to use. Of course, and Sappho. Sappho. I'm not gonna. Yeah. <laughs> and she's obviously that uh, has a history to it that uh, Edda picks up on, which obviously leads into the sort of relationship that the two of them form. So it was really cool how uh, Edda noted that and the panels when they're talking to each other about that. They sort of give each other these shy smiles. Yes. So I think with that we have we have completely run through volume number two. It certainly was. (laughs) (laughs) So next issue for episodes, excuse me, we call them issues in comics, episodes and podcasts. 
<laughs> we will be going over issue number 26, which came out a last week, where is the new story arc from Shea Fantana, and I believe the uh, episode that we will be planning after that will be our History of Steve Trevor episode, so we have some Absolutely. things on the horizon here. Um, you can find us over on Twitter. We are part of the Not Staff for Podcast Network, which the podcast network is also on Twitter at NSFW Podcasts. Uh, we are ourselves on Twitter at The Lasso Pod. Um, and also reach us on email, which is Pod at gmail.com. And you can subscribe to us in all your usual findings. Uh, I believe iTunes, we have our own feed, as well as part of the NSFW feed. Uh, I think we're on SoundCloud currently, which apparently SoundCloud is going to be going under or something soon. So we'll have to figure that out. <laughs> um, so, Maya, why don't you tell the listeners? Uh, you can, can find, find me at Semi Rose on Twitter and on my blog, FireBeeFights.com. Talking about absolutely anything. <laughs> That is sort of the way we like to do it. Um, you can find me over on Twitter, also at Mike underscore Audet. Uh, and I do a couple other things in fandom, Far Far Away Radio, Coffee with Kenobi, blah, 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 Star Wars, you know the deal. <laughs> I won't bore you with the rest of that. So I think that will do it for us. We will give you a good night.